Knack knack. Who's there? Uh, yeah, I'd rather not share that with you. Hey, no sweat. Come on in. Make yourself at home and take anything you want. Wait, you wouldn't let a stranger in your house. Why would you let anonymous traffic scrape your website? Introducing IP Info's Privacy Detection API, a fast and simple way to detect malicious traffic. Activate your free trial today at ipinfo.io. And don't forget to use the promo code CODESTORY at checkout. In theory, it was built to scale. <laughs> My engineers, they are brilliant at the the key things, the like JavaScript, which is the main thing they're hired for. None of them had any experience with AWS. We had some issues when we got onto AWS. In the middle of the pandemic, we had the site crash over and over again. It just, I think there was some issue with caching and it was just like utterly crippling the site. Yeah, a lot of the system is is built for scalability, but you can never predict everything that's going to come across. I'm Gabriel Islas, the founder and CEO of Tutti. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today, how Gabriel Isilis created a marketplace to connect you as an artist to amazing local spaces. All this and more on Code Story. Gabriel Isilis grew up in London with an artistic background in the creative industries. His dad is a professional cellist, which is the instrument that he chose as a young musician. As a teen, he became highly interested in making films and decided to give it a try. He studied film in upstate New York and realized he liked making sci-fi films about the future. Instead of films, though, he decided to go make the future and got into tech. When Gabriel combined his technical knowledge with his experience in the creative industries, he started to see numerous opportunities to automate manual steps in these processes. He decided to set out and build these tools for people in the creative industry and started by building a marketplace to connect artists with spaces. This is the creation story of Tutti. We want to help creators create. Creators of all types, they struggle, well, they spend a lot of time doing admin. When, especially when they're building their careers. So they're young, they're starting out. Just like a, a young startup, they would probably love to do all of the fun stuff, which in some people's mind, most people's minds is the product. But there's a hell of a lot of other stuff around the outside of that that they need to do. There's so many inefficiencies in the systems of those, what they need to do in order to build that career. So our goal from a high-level perspective is we're building amazing technology that will reduce the amount of time they have to spend doing admin so that they have more time to create. Admin is a creative soul sucker uh, to that. It drains creative energy. So we want to automate as much as admin as we can so that they have more time, more creative energy. From an actual point of view of how that manifests is... One of the key things that most people need in the creative industries at some point is space, whether that's space for a video or photo shoot, rehearsal, recording, performance. Physical space is needed. Virtual space is not there yet. The the first problem we wanted to solve was 
reducing the amount of time and money and frustration it takes to to find and book these spaces. So it is essentially Airbnb for creative spaces, and people can go onto our site, type in whatever they need space-wise. There's an open search, so they can type the type of space or the instrument or whatever they need in a space, and our search result will show them, and they can just send a request, book it, pay online. It's nice and simple. When I combine my knowledge of programming and my knowledge of the creative industries. I started seeing a lot of combinations of how there are so many inefficiencies, especially from tech angle of the creative industries, where people do so many tasks over and over again that really should be automated, but they're not.、Um, so I see those, and then I'm like, it's not that hard from a programming standpoint. So someone should build these, combine these, and make it a lot easier for people in the creative industries. And that was the initial idea behind Tutti, the spark that kind of led to a hundred of hundreds of other ideas,、um, and has led me down this path. And we've been building that for the last four years, self-funded. Tell me about the MVP. So that first product you built, how long did it take you to build, and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? The very first MVP. It took me a year and a half to think about how to build it, and I I tried to build it in HubSpot, Squarespace, and a few other places I can't remember, and all of those failed. None of them were good enough for me, so I wasn't willing to put them out into the world. Luckily, on October thirtieth of twenty eighteen, someone texted me and said, "Hey,、uh, have you heard of this website called ShareTribe? Because it helps marketplaces get off the ground." And I was like, "No, what's that?" Looked it up, and it was. It's a white label marketplace, no code solution. They provide the entire backend of a marketplace, and you plug and play your customers, your branding, and that's it. And in less than four hours on Halloween of 2018, we had an entire marketplace that we hadn't had six hours ago off the ground, and I think the first three venues listed. It's an amazing tool if you're building a marketplace. Use ShareTribe. It cost us 150 pounds a month to get to a thousand customers. We made a lot of mistakes outside of that 150 pounds, but we'd spent nothing else. We would have still had a lot of customers on 150 pounds a month. Okay, when you're choosing ShareTribe and when you're deciding how you're going to even structure it, you got to make certain you know decisions and trade-offs around. You know, maybe even in choosing ShareTribe, you had to limit the features you were going to deploy or take on maybe some of their technical debt because of how their product was built. I'm not sure, but tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make, and specifically how you coped with those decisions. Where the coping was always, "Sorry, it's coming soon." We said that to a lot of people. There weren't. That many unfortunate things that we had to deal with because ShareTribe is is it sells itself as out of the box marketplace and it is exactly that. There's very little customization you can add. You can buy landing pages from them. It does everything out of the box. You have some limitations on the filters that you can add, like what types of filters and how you can add them. We expanded those massively afterwards. It just has a, a list of filters on the left hand side. Um, if you add too many options under one filter, it gets a bit messy. 
they update it every now and then and uh, they've been improving the system a lot over the last four years so it's a lot better now than it was back then but i remember being annoyed because we couldn't validate who our customers were when they were signing up so we couldn't ask whether people were artist or host and we couldn't ask people if they were an artist were they in film music tv etc hilariously we built our own site uh, in 2020 but we only added that questionnaire at the end of 2021 i don't know why we waited so long but yeah anyways there was limitations with the data that you could ask and the flexibility they had one way of uh booking which was people paid up front and some people liked that some people really did not we had a couple venues who were really quite unhappy with us you you overcome those hiccups and amazingly actually those venues are still with us so so you got your MVP and it's working. Tell me about how you, you know, progressed the product and matured it. And I'm, I'm curious to wrap that in a box a little bit. I'm looking for how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build, to address um, with 2D. One of the issues with the ShareTribe Go platform is there was no changes that we could make. So we had no dev team for the first year. We used ShareTribe to test everything that we, as much as we could and see what people were willing to pay for. We had we got up to a thousand customers, over a hundred bookings, and I think it was about 200 venues. That allowed us to test quite a lot. When we wanted to get off the platform, in theory, we were going to have a perfect transition where we built a replica of ShareTribe, but in our own uh, code. And one day we would just transition over and no one would notice a thing and it would all be seamless. That didn't happen. One, there was a pandemic. We were planning on transitioning in April 2020. Pandemic, end of March 2020. We have some amazing developers. They're overseas, they're in India, but they're in-house. So they only work for me. And they are fantastic. But at the time, they were going through a middleman. And when they delivered the first, the first version of the website... It wasn't what I'd asked for. They hadn't hadn't come through and the, the platform wasn't nearly as ready as I'd hoped in April of 2020. Fortunately, for the unfortunate world of the pandemic, we used the time, the downtime of no one using in-person spaces to build our tech and make sure that it was ready for people. So between April 2020 and March 2021, there were very few times that England was actually open throughout the entire time that it wasn't we were building tech full-time myself and two developers in india product roadmap the way that we chose it the way that i've always chosen it in early days at least was what do i personally think is absolute base level of what i expect from a booking platform like this there's a lot of tech people who've argued you can do a lot less and not spend so much time building and have a workable platform. And I was like, there's workable and then there's just crap. Uh, and I don't want my customers to have to use utter crap. Uh, one of my advisors was saying, "You have there's no reason for you to integrate payments. And I was like, if we don't integrate payments, what's the point of us? The, the way we chose to do it was we integrated Stripe. And so we were doing Stripe Connect, which is not the simplest of implementations. Yes, we could have done an easier version, but I felt internally that there were certain core things that needed to be part of the site that you would imagine would be an MVP2 or something, but yeah. 
Okay, well, let's switch to team then. So tell me about how you, you know, built your team. And I hear that the folks in India and maybe even the folks uh, with with you, uh, how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? I've lucked out. Almost every member of my team has come in through either a, a connection or a uh, reference for some from someone else, except for my now head of marketing, Ed. The first venue that I ever listed, which was a venue called Two North Down, they're a comedy venue. Uh, the founder of it was like the most positive person about my idea, and he was one of the people who helped me like get through to MVP. But he introduced me because he was building a texting platform on the side for his venue. He introduced me to his head of tech, who is a wonderful guy named Donnie, who is a CTO of 20, 20 years and vets overseas developers to introduce them to UK founders. So I think he works with like 20 companies now. I, I met Donnie then. I saw some of the things that he worked on. I trusted him to take the brute force of or like the, the general quality checking of engineers and he does the quality checks i simply have like last chats with them and say hey uh welcome to the team basically it's a very lucky position for me to be in that i have someone who can go and vet the engineers for me he has uh people on the ground in india who are constantly checking uh on that the people that they get match there then the uk team is all they're all contractors one of the first people who, who is still with us today was Jessica, who was introduced by a random friend. She's our designer. The other people that we have, we have Jules, who is our SEO expert in-house. The only times that she works is when we have a question about SEO. And then the last person, I go to a lot of networking events, absolute load of them. Um, and normally just to go and meet people, not really with much of a, a plan in mind. And I met this guy, Ed. He was looking for a startup to dig his teeth into, and he had a background in film um, and video production, and he enjoyed what I was working on. We started talking. He actually talked to seven different founders at the same from the same event, and every single one of them specialized in marketing, and he specializes in marketing. I specialized in product, and he was like, oh, okay, we actually match, so... Let's flip to scalability, and I want to focus on post share tribe and um, when you're building your own product. Was it built to scale efficiently from day one, or did you build it to where you have to fight this as you grow? In theory, it was built to scale. <laughs> My engineers, they are brilliant at the the key things, the like JavaScript, which is the main thing they're hired for. None of them had any experience with AWS. We had some issues when we got onto AWS. In the middle of the pandemic, we had the site crash over and over again. It just, I think there was some issue with caching and it was just like utterly crippling the site. We had to bring in some external help to help with AWS and make sure that everything was okay. We got it all sorted and now I think it's set up so that no matter if our traffic spikes or not, we're good. Yeah, a lot of the system is is built for scalability, but you can never predict everything that's going to come across. Like, if I went back with everything I know today, 
I probably would build with React rather than Vue because I've been told now that React is actually quite a bit faster. We're always in the top five of like the listings on the keywords that we're going for. And the only thing holding us back now is speed. We have a system set up, which is quite slow. We have a lot of dynamic content. It's great because it's comprehensive, it's usable, it's friendly, but it's really slow to load. So we're fighting our system right now. That's, I got off a call two hours ago all about this. How can we speed this up? Things have been built to scale in theory, but it's, yeah, it's tricky. Okay, so then as you step out on the balcony, look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? The tech, the product. When I was told by so many people at my university that I wasn't very good at film, that I wasn't very good at tech, the fact that my tech, the something that entirely came out of my brain, now helps hundreds of people a day find in book spaces. Well, we don't get hundreds of bookings a day, but hundreds of people a day come and use the site check it out and we've had bookings from massive studios like BBC and ITV and Netflix. My tech has just been used by massive companies, all sorts of people that I at one point never said that, like I applied to some of these companies saying, hey, I'd love to work for you and and they reject, I got rejected from every company I applied to and now they're using the tech that I've built from nothing. That is awesome. There's, there's a long way to go. As I said from at the beginning, there's the holistical, like, time-saving element. Airbnb for creative spaces is just phase one of that. There's so many different products that we want to build over time that tie into the saving creators' time. But, um, yeah, we're self-funded, basically, until, until this year, so we can only do so much at a time. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. There's a, a number of mistakes that I can't say the, the exact uh, mistake because I don't actually remember, but there were a couple times where we would update things and I have to move extremely fast to be like, okay, who is on call right now? Who's available? Who can uh, revert all, all changes ASAP? We mess up all the time. I'm the only person who does customer support, so I see everything that anyone complains about, which is a bit painful sometimes, must be said. If someone has an issue and it's something that I changed or I did or something that can be affixed by a product, I, I make my senior engineer aware of it immediately. And I'm like, I messed up. This is an issue. I think the most recent one of that was a calendar integration thing. I told them to get rid of it uh, two weeks ago and then... Uh, customer messaged yesterday and was like can we have this feature i thought you had it i was like ah <laughs> yep i'll roll that back okay let's switch to you who influences the way that you work uh name a person you look up to or many persons or something you look up to and why so there are people that i don't particularly like as people but they still influence the way that i work i think that they're not very nice people but my my brain thinks very logistic or, or logically about everything that i do and i i try and make sure that everything kind of makes sense some of the things that these not very nice people have said 
uh, have made a lot of sense. I think the, the one of them is Elon Musk. I have been a fan of him in the past. Verdict's out right now. But one of the key things that he said is question your constraints. One of the things that the music industry just does is all the time is they do things because that's how things are done. That's how things have always been done. That's how things are done. Why change? And the reason to change is because they're time destroying. I'm constantly looking at systems and processes in our industry and wondering why is it done that way? How can we do it better? And then there's another one, which is uh, Jeff Bezos. He has this theory that I utterly fail to quote every time I try, so I'm not even going to try and quote it. It is talking about one-way and two-way decisions. Most decisions are two-way. If you make them, you can roll them back. There's very few like decisions that are one-way that once you've made them, they stick. The most recent example I used for someone of a one-way decision was like asking my partner to marry me. Like I can't really roll that one back. He he says two-way decisions need to be made as fast as possible. That like if you can roll them back, make them, try them. Uh, if they don't work, roll them back. I view almost every single thing in the business as a as a two-way decision, and I make choices and decisions very quickly. I guess the last one is someone who I don't hate, my dad. I've always been impressed by his work ethic. My work ethic when I left university was absolutely appalling. I could barely work like an hour or two a day. And I had to build up a work ethic. And I was like, if my dad can do it, then I can. Well, Gabriel, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice would you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? One of the first pieces of advice is be careful who you take advice from, because there's a lot of people out there who haven't been down this road and think they have, or they they have to a point, but they've never made it past like a first funding round. There's a lot of people who give advice who are not in a place to give advice. Ideas are a dime a dozen. It's how you execute them that's really what matters. If this entrepreneur on the plane has already built their idea and they already have customers, then great. Even though they have customers, if those customers are not paying for anything, try and make sure that they're willing to pay. Like if you turn off the free switch, are they still willing to pay for the service that you provide? You need to stay focused. Uh, Like even though people are like, oh, you should do this. Oh, you should expand to this. Oh, you you can build this amazing thing. Until you've built something like your first thing actually properly works and it's going well and yeah don't don't lose focus it's easier said than done and it's also tricky to figure out kind of what that means from a actionable level because i could have focus on london or i could have focus on the west end or i could have focus on just music studios you have to figure out what level of narrow-mindedness is right for you basically um and that is something that it's very hard to ask others for. You have to have to build your gut instinct to be very good. Well, Gabriel, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Tootie. No worries. It was really great to be on here. Um, thanks for having me and letting me share the story of Tootie. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. 
Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.